Genesis 7, starting at verse 11, and I'll read 12 and then skip to 18. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. Skipping to 18. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land, died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping things, and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for the fact that this tells us uh, of history. This tells us of things that have occurred in the not so uh, far past. And Lord, it teaches us so much more than history. It teaches us also about the future. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see and open our minds to understand what you would have us to understand about this text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If... uh, if your house is like my house, you've got an awful lot of Bible stuff in your house. A long time ago, I asked my wife to not buy anything related to Noah's Ark that did not portray Noah's Ark as how it must have really existed. Because we all know what you find when you go to the Bible uh, store even now in Noah's Ark. You'll find this little boat with the giraffe sticking its head up. And uh, Basically, you think, how can that giraffe's body even fit in that boat, let alone all the other animals that must have been on the ark? There were two errors, and actually maybe even three, regarding Noah's arks. And uh, one of them is that the size of the ark just could not accommodate those animals. And you know that it must, because it's true. The other is that they only show modern animals. And you know that there were some really wild animals on that ark. There were dinosaurs on that ark. And the other one, well, that's it. That's all three of them. Oh, the other one, yes. The other one is that you only see adult animals on the ark. And yet, I think there's no reason that these animals that came to Noah had to be adults. They'd be really, really big. They'd eat a lot. Why not send him little ones? And so I believe for all those reasons, I did not like seeing these things. Now, my wife likes cute things. We all like these little animals. But she said, okay, we won't buy any more of that stuff. And uh, I used to teach Sunday school at Trinity, and when we got to Noah's Ark, I forced my children in that class to understand what Noah's Ark was like. In Omaha, the streets are measured in twelfths, right? 60th, 72nd, 84th. They all go by uh, twelfths, and so every mile has 12 blocks in it. The distance from one street to another street in Omaha is 440 feet. 
roughly the size of Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark was 10 feet longer. And so when you imagine a street to another street, not an avenue, in Midtown, you've got avenues that split up all of those. You have to go past that. So you put Noah's Ark right in the middle of the street here, and the other end would be in another street 450 feet away. And that's not even the amazing thing about it. Anybody can kind of imagine that. But now imagine that it's wider than nearly all residential housing developments. It's 75 feet wide. And so my house in West Omaha, and to the street uh, to the the, uh, west of me, that's roughly 450 feet. So Noah's Ark would be sitting on my street in front of my house. It would be towering over my house because it's 45 feet tall, about probably 10 to 15 feet taller than my house. It would fill my lot and just imagine if every lot were filled with Noah's Arks. You know, you'd, you'd have this little narrow walkway between the arcs. You'd have to climb 45 feet up, and they'd be 75 feet wide, and they'd, they'd just take you forever to walk even the, around them. That's Noah's Ark. It's not this little boat that, you know, you'd get seasick in. So that's why I wanted to not have those in our house. Who would have been on Noah's Ark? In Job 40 and Job 41, you have the behemoth and Leviathan that would have most likely been on Noah's Ark. And now in my old King James Bible, when I read about behemoth that had a a tail like a cedar tree, it had in my little margin, most likely an elephant. (laughs) I mean, have you ever gone to the zoo and seen elephant tails? We were riding around on a bus in the uh, San Diego Zoo a few years back, and they're talking on about all this evolution and stuff and how the nearest relation to the elephant is the shrew, and it's about this big. And uh, I'm looking at the elephants, and they've got these little corkscrew tails. I mean, they're, they're fairly small. Now, we uh, happened to ha- go past as it was going to the bathroom, and so it had a fairly small tail compared to what came out of it at that point. But uh, the cedar tree is huge. And it says that the rivers had to flow around that behemoth. That behemoth is in the river. And it, it, the river is, is basically, he's damming it up. If he were to die right there, I guess he'd divert the whole river. So that's the world that Noah lived in. That's the, the animals that got onto the ark. Now, Hebrews 11.7 says this. And the best commentary on the Old Testament is the New Hebrews 11.7 reads, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah, building his ark, condemned the world, and the people knew it. The people that he was, that he was building that ark in the midst of knew that they were being condemned by what he was doing. And also the text refers to Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Noah wasn't just building the ark. He wasn't living out his life as an example to the unbeliever. He was also preaching. He was preaching the gospel message. He was preaching the the, uh, justice and the condemnation that was about to fall on the earth. And yet people wouldn't hear him. In, uh, In the text that I read, it's very precise. Uh, Listen to this in verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up. And then Jesus refers to it in Luke 17, 26 as this. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. Uh, There's something so matter-of-fact about reading that that just kind of is surreal. The whole earth is flooded. Every human, every beast is, is dead. Have you ever seen a film in which they try to, to characterize that, Noah's flood? It's amazing. You've got people on rocks, and you've got people climb, trying to, screaming, trying to get in the boat, and they're all dying. They're all drowning. There's no safe place. The ark is the only safe place left on earth. The uh, flood was God's justice. It fell like a hammer on the entire earth, killed everybody in that 40-day period. How long did it take them to die? Not long. I think the people were probably dead within days. Now, the animals, they might have been struggling for a long time. There were probably animals clinging to the ark. They had claws. They weren't like humans with our feeble fingernails. And so we have cats. I mean, their claws can be pretty, pretty sharp. But eventually, they all get knocked off. They all drown. What's in the ark is safe. What's on the ark gets washed away. Uh, As a matter of fact, another thing really strikes me in this text. The waters prevailed and greatly increased in the earth, and the ark moved about. The ark moved about on the surface of the waters. I think that's understating the reality, don't you? Forty days of storms. We had the storm come through just a couple days ago. The sky gets so dark and all that rain falls. These people had never even experienced that. There had never been rain on the earth until then. They didn't know cloudy days like we see cloudy days in Omaha. So it was all new to them. And it was all so fearful. And yet it came that day and it brought the rain down that day. It was God's justice falling upon the earth. And yet... The ark was the safe place. There was a safe place that God provided, and it was the ark. So you have God's justice falling upon the entire earth, and yet there is a safe place. And see, the same thing is true in our world. The earth is not a safe place for humans. God's justice is falling upon the earth. Jesus said the world is already condemned. Moses condemned the world. I did not come and bring condemnation to this world. I brought salvation to this world. But yet the condemnation hangs above humanity like the sword of Damocles. It is ready to kill everybody. All that separates you is your next breath. That's it. All that separates you is your next breath from the life that is to come. And we don't tend to think that way. That's morbid thinking. But that's the reality. Any one of us could die in an instant. So the ark moved about on the surface of the water. And yet, that ark had to endure that storm. That ark was bearing the brunt of the justice of God. And that ark was Christ. God's justice is falling in the rain and in the storm and wreaking havoc upon the earth. And yet, you've got Christ protecting the contents of that ark from the devastation of the storm. So see, that's an excellent picture of Jesus, exactly what he does with us. He bears the brunt of the storm. He protects us. He himself is bruised 
as Genesis 3 refers to. He is not destroyed, but that ark is certainly buffeted about. It, it is tossed about in that storm, and it's protecting us. There is something else that, as I, as I meditated on this text, that came to me, and it's this. You have the rain coming down on a world that is entirely transformed a year later. It's entirely transformed. It's a different world. That vapor canopy that protected the earth, that fact that rain never fell, it's totally different now. God puts the rainbow in the sky now to give you the promise that he will never again do this. And when do you see rainbows? When it rains. So see, they never used to see rainbows before, most likely. God has added that now in this new world. Yet it is a new world. And we reach that through this transformation process. So the justice comes... You've got this 40 days of storm. You've got this 330 days of relative peace. It was 370 days before Noah got on the ark to where he got off the ark. And so I see this as almost a picture of salvation, justification, living out your life, sanctification, times of relative peace. We think we have it rough, but we know we don't have it rough compared to the unbelievers on this earth. We know we don't. We have it far better. And then you get the new land. You get onto that new world that God has created. So I believe also in the story of Noah's Ark, you've got the picture of what we wait for. We are saved from the the horrible life of sin that we would otherwise be relegated to. We live in a state of relative peace because we're at peace with God. I don't care what happens to your flesh on this earth. If you're at peace with God, you're living in a wonderful state compared to the lost who have no hope. And then you get heaven. It's wonderful. Jesus was the ark bearing the punishment for our sake and that we come here to commemorate his act on our behalf. He protects us from the storm. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are our savior, that you alone a save people from the penalty of their sins, from the consequence of their sins, from the effect on this earth even of the extent of their sins. You are merciful and forgiving. And we come to you, Lord, now to thank you for all that you have done, all that you continue to do, and all that awaits us in this world to come, this new world that will fulfill all of your many promises. And we thank you now, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.